What's better than Anchor's podcast creation tools? Nothing. Mankind has always searched for evidence of God's perfection, and we found it. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place for free, which you can use straight from your phone or computer. The creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the lesser of the podcast platforms like Stitcher. You can easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. I've made $5, and I've been doing this for three months. So, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is a warning that sometimes there might be inappropriate language, whether it comes from the book we're reviewing or us uh, uh, lightly peppering in some swears in the conversation. We don't normally go crazy, but sometimes it happens, so keep that in mind if you've got a little kid or if you're just really uh, fussy. But uh, either way, don't let that hinder you from enjoying the book, boys. Starting... Now, Ben. Yep. <laughs> I got bad news. Oh. I got bees. Bees. Bees in the house. That's good. They'll eat the flies, right? That is one thing. Do bees this eat flies? This basement doesn't have flies. I've made some. Uh, I've made some improvements in the house situation. I've got the flies upstairs. Not an issue. Okay. Flies in the basement. They all gone. Okay. Uh, but then bees. But bees are good. Mm, yellow like we jackets have a problem with all the bees dying. So the fact that you have bees, it's good news. Well, that's what I thought. I thought kind of like except for wasps, all bees were like supposed to be saved because they're endangered. It turns out if they're yellow jackets, it doesn't matter. So I hired a guy because I said, I got bees in my house three, four a day. I don't know what's going on because the windows are closed and there's no going in and out. And he said, I'll take a look. And he found them. And he said, he warned me, if they're honeybees, I'm going to save them, which costs a lot of money. Got to save it. Like, got to rip out your walls and get the honeycombs and the whole thing. Okay. And it's going to cost a lot of money to rip out your walls and replace it and all that stuff. And I was like, uh, fine. And, uh, and then he goes, oh, no, they're just yellow jackets. And he gets a giant wet dry vac and just starts sucking them out of the wall. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they're, they all died in the vacuum cleaner. Well, giant uh, nest. So I'm confused. Do you have bees or not? It sounds like you don't have bees anymore. As of this morning, I don't have bees. Okay. So that's the good news. Bad news, I got bees. Good news, I don't have any more bees. Okay, that was a roller coaster. Yeah, it was a long walk. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he uh, wore the spacesuit, got up on my roof, sucked him out of the wall, tore out the siding. <clears throat> Horrifying. And in the end, it was only 500 bucks. Oh, yeah. It's still kind of a lot of money, but it wasn't like yeah, not for a he destroyed like everything. He like ripped out the roof and took yeah. out off um, all the shingles and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this is going to be thousands of dollars. Did he put it back? He put it all back. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he put it all back, Ben. Like I was, I'll go up and tear apart your roof for five hundred dollars if you want me to. Mm, but I don't think you'd be able to put it all back. Well, that was the thing. That I don't think you have the skill set. Not part of the deal. I didn't know if he was. That was my point. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week, Ben? Ben. Fine. Any stories about your new job? 
Oh. Hmm. New job. You've been paying attention. I didn't know if you knew that. <laughs> the last two episodes we've mentioned it, so I think I've caught on. I don't know. You... I made. I put a post-it note in my bathroom. Yeah. Ben has a new job. Yeah. <laughs> well, now it's just a job. It's not even a new job anymore. The first no. week's out of, under my belt, and it's just a job. Anything fun? Fun coworkers. Uh, you know, everyone wants to pretend like they live in the office television show. Is that what's going on with you? You got like the the quirky guy that plays pranks. You got the guy who's really anal about his job. What kind of what kind of people you got in your work now? Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty quiet office actually. I wasn't oh. I wasn't expecting that. That is quiet. Well, you thought it was gonna be like parties? Well, I don't know. My, Beer carts. The place I was coming from, there was uh, a lot of. Mm. I don't know. Maybe that was mostly just me, but a lot of just fucking around and no. Yeah, but this is like, that's the kind of stress relief that people need when they have to tell someone whose baby died that they still got to pay their bill. <laughs> so, of course, they fuck around more and try to have a good time. Yeah, but I mean, even after I wasn't that doing the collecting, it was still, there was uh, mm-hmm. banter back and forth, a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of just slacking off, not getting things on. This office seems like, I, I think I'm actually expected to earn my salary now, which is weird. Yeah. Well... But is it one of those fine. things where you hear people in the distance having a good time, but it's just never near you? No, no. I think it's just... It's I'm just trying to a, insinuate that no one like wants to have a good time with you. I'm pretty sure that's not what it is. Okay. It's just a quiet <laughs> office. I don't know. It's a quiet, straight-laced uh, corporate climate. What's know. the age range of most of the people there? Uh, I'd say I'm a little bit older than most of the people. Also, I got the impression I was kind of a diversity hire, because I went... <laughs> you mean a white middle-aged man? Yeah, finally a college-educated <laughs> middle-class middle-aged white man has caught a break in this country. Yeah, it's about um, damn time. My, I met my boss's boss for the first time last week. She had been, I did an interview with her, and then she was out of the office for mm-hmm. just a couple of days I was there. So late last week, I finally met her. Mm-hmm. Just a quick chat, like five minutes. She's like, happy to have you here. Um, there's a lot of women out there, as you know, so we're pretty happy that uh, we got a guy here. She said that. Yeah, she said something to that effect. I'm like, wow. all right, go, cool. yeah. I've that's wor- really. I've worked with women the, before, so I can. I know that's setting the like, tone. It's setting the tone for what does she think of a kind of person you are, and also like what you can expect in your new environment. But it was weird. Like I felt like they were filling a quota by hiring, like me. I'm one, <laughs> I'm one of the whitest people I know, and a guy, and uh, yeah, finally catching a break. <laughs> No one's going to take this opportunity away from me. Yeah. <laughs> ben! How do you feel after reading the Steve Harvey book? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I started reading it yesterday. Yep. Uh, it's a small book. I figured I could get it done in one sitting. I did. That, mm-hmm. was, that was a few hours. I'll never get back. Nope. Um, and I, I texted you right after I started it. I didn't even make it out of the introduction before. <laughs> I was angered by the book. Um, it's... And, like, I want to... Take a charitable view towards it, I guess. I mean, it's hmm. admirable people pick up a book like that. Well, should we explain, first of all, what this book is? Yeah, the title? You go maybe, ahead. maybe mention. Yeah, we're not even mentioning the title or anything. Uh, go ahead. Do you want to give a little overview of this uh, book? No, overview. Go ahead. Explain the book to the masses, Ben. Well, number one New York Times bestselling author Steve Harvey uh, penned a <clears throat> tome called Jump Take the Leap of Faith <laughs> to Achieve Your Life of Abundance. Um, and apparently this isn't his first kind of self-improvement book that he's written. He's also written... <laughs> oh, does it say in there? Because I was going to look it up. Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. <sighs> Straight Talk, No Chaser. <laughs> Act Like a Success, Think Like a Success. You know, I'm not afraid to straight talk about something with you, Ben. Um, Turn my chair around for a second. Yeah. Get my arms up. Uh-huh. Just rap with you for a minute about a guy I know. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we were done with that after last week. <laughs> no, but... 
<laughs> every like, chance I can get, I'd love to be able to talk to you about a guy I know is a little bit of a bad boy. Yeah. Anyway, I, I want to take a charitable view towards a book like this because uh, people who are buying this are trying to improve themselves in their lives, probably, and that's admirable. Yes. I just think that this book and books like, and this is the first time I've read a book like this, but this has confirmed my thought that reading a book like this isn't the best way to go <laughs> about improving yourself. Improve yourself? Yeah. yeah. And like some of the advice I think in here is just downright dangerous. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. I came to the same conclusion and mind you, I read this book today in yeah. a, like a, well, I'm a slower reader than you in a two hour or whatever, two, maybe three hour long process and also taking notes. So I'm kind of skimming over stuff because in this book he's constantly repeating the same phrases which I even like made a note about because it got so ridiculous uh, he keeps pockmarking it with uh, you have to trust that God is providing the best insert noun for you over and yeah. over and over again yeah. and also I could have given up but instead I trusted in God and and it's just that filler between his stories in his life and so I'd skip over a lot of it yeah and even then, with a lot of skipping, things stood out for me that were so offensive that I could yeah. not read it. <laughs> it was, and like, so a lot of it was faith-based, I guess. You got to mm. trust in God and, and good things will happen in your life. And, yep. you know, I'm an atheist, so You're not that believer, right there yeah. isn't appealing to me. So, But I'm still trying to separate that from, like, the message of the book. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah, yeah. downright bad, dangerous advice, If even if you take the God part out. Or yeah. Well, was trying to separate about... it as much from... The message of the book, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. No, yeah. what I know about theology, uh, it's it was offensive to me how bad he got the whole point of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, there was one <laughs> like it's it was one of those things where I was like, wow, he's really backwards on this. Uh, but we can get into that. Yeah, chapter two, I've got extensive notes on that part. Of okay, it. I don't really have the breakdown chapter okay. by chapter linear kind of thing, so we're not going to go in that way. Um, so I'm just kind of going off my notes that you can see I frantically scribbled out of anger. <laughs> look at all of the... I, it, it goes and goes and goes. That, <laughs> look at all that anger. Handwritten notes of yours that looks like the like manifesto of a serial killer. I, mean, <laughs> I know, well, it does. Like, if I didn't know you and why you'd written that, if I just saw that, I would be You'd just be like, yeah, this concerned is a right now that crazy I'm person. Cornered in your basement looking at this uh, Do you like how I wrote notes. Prosperity Gospel with stars around it? Yeah. Being sarcastic? Oh yeah. Well, yeah, no. If yeah. you okay, so Joel Olstein references. Yeah. Yeah. Before I even before I even got to the introduction, the uh, mm-hmm. the praise for Jump. There's oh yeah, I never read the praise. Who's praising his book? Let's dive into the praise first. Well, there's two individuals that offered praise for Jump, and I'm sure he referenced them extensively in his own book. The first one was Joel Osteen, mm. and then the uh, Bishop T D Jakes. Yeah, he quotes TD in his book, which means you're going to get that praise in the beginning. And because he, you've quoted him throughout your book. Is he the one who said... He opens chapters up. with quotes from TD. Um, I don't even know who this guy is. I but. think, is he the one who says, God wants you to roll? <laughs> what? I think that's like his saying, is it? Or am I thinking of someone else? Um, he's a, a mega church pastor. Oh, is he? Yeah. Um, but I thought that was like his catchphrase. God wants you to roll. Yeah. He, it's the gospel of prosperity. That you're yeah, no, it's the prosperity. Yeah, that's, that's, it's a thing. And apparently, if you adopt this this type of philosophy towards how you interpret the Bible, it's an entire industry. And it's very easy to write poorly thought out and articulated books uh, around this. It's pretty easy. It's you want what you want, you got to take it, and you're not doing anything wrong because God's there to support you. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's it. I mean, everything. And also, just if somebody is looking to improve their life through a book like this, like 
this book wasn't very long. It was less than 200 pages. Mm-hmm. And it could have been 10 pages. It Absolutely. Was just, it was more of an autobiography of Steve Harvey. It was just more of an autobiography, and he padded... It would be a page and a half between each little story or quip that he wanted to give you. Yeah. Uh, it would be a page and a half of him just talking about how you got to take the jump and God's going to support you. Like he had this kind of like blanket statement in general yeah. that he would copy and paste over and over and over again. Yeah. So in your in the last episode, your bit was to shout out actors' names. Grison Scott Thomas. I have so many quotes <laughs> <laughs> that I could pockmark throughout yeah. the entire thing, and they're just insulting and mostly stolen. That's my favorite part. I don't think he says anything original as far as his little quotes, inspiring quotes go. Uh, one being the windshield on your car is big, the rearview mirror is small. Yeah. Like, don't look at your problems in the keep, past. Keep looking forward. Which, I mean... But that's been used many times. And yeah. When a door closes, another one opens. Which uh, is, it can be useful if you're like, you know, don't dwell on the past. You're like, learn from your past, but don't dwell on it. And like, I can understand yeah, that. Yeah, you get the concept. I mean, yeah. it's, it's sort of like, even with Scientology, a, a belief system that I think is horrible and corrupt... Uh, they'll say things that are basically true, like, if you're swamped with a bunch of tasks, uh, just do one task at a time. Yeah. Makes sense. Not sure. really much to argue. Uh, it doesn't mean that it's any better. Um, but in the beginning, so let's go over his little life story. He grew up... Did he grow up poor? He was like um, one of five kids. I think it sounded like kind of blue collar. Not Yeah, not poor, destitute, poor. Yeah. Destitute. Uh, I think there was always food on the table, it sounded like, and... My favorite was when he was talking about the kids he used to run with. It was Ricardo, Manny, <laughs> Butch, L, Lil John, Gil, and Biggie Wig. Yep. Uh, he just threw that in there. Did he describe yeah. these people, uh, why we should care about knowing their names? Nah. He just wanted no. to make sure that they could read about themselves in the book. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do we? So I've got some notes on Steve Harvey as well that weren't in the book. Should we save yes. that for the end or should we go over that Let's right save now? Save it for the end. That'll be okay. a recap of a corrupt man. Uh, I started this off. There, there's one... Gem, mm. I can't wait to get to either. Oh, looking at the Wikipedia page. Yeah, we're saving yeah. it because okay. looking at the Wikipedia page, Did you <laughs> there's some things you might surprise me because I just kind of did like a okay. just a kind of a that's where here. I got my information from because I wasn't but, about to go in depth but also, on my Steve Harvey research. Dating website, <laughs> <laughs> dating website. We'll get to it later. Um, so, anyways, he he grew up a blue collar family, uh, the mm. youngest of five kids. I Cleveland, think was I think. the deal. Yeah, mm. and um. He wanted to go to college. He gets into a college. I don't really know or care. Kent State. Oh, well, look at you. Uh, well, that's sort of Fails it yeah. or gets basically kicked out. Like, he doesn't have any decent grades. And um, which Well, he, he said he was on, like, ab- academic probation mm. and then didn't, like, get his grades up and was surprised that they kicked him out. Yeah. Like, that's... Which is a running theme throughout this whole thing is um, not owning up to any choices that he's made in his life. Uh, yeah. But anyways... That was, like, one of my first notes. Like... Yeah, I got it in here, The, the too. whole theme of the book, basically, is uh, just do whatever. God, mm-hmm. God will take care of it. Yep. And, like, there's no, like, personal responsibility. God is your cheerleader, and he's trying to... And God is trying to guide you towards material happiness. Yeah. That's all it is. Which... And it's like, are you smart enough to see how God's pushing you towards material happiness? Or are you going to be lazy and just lay around and not be open to it? And it's just such... So, if I'm a reader, like, viewing it through that frame, I guess, and... Mm-hmm. Looking for... So I guess you can infer someone who picks up this book is maybe not doing so well financially. Yeah. And they're looking to change that. Sure. Fine. And they think that there's some magic formula of attitude and actions that are going to wind up making you successful. Yeah, but which... Whatever. 
Mm-hmm. But the advice he gives, if you're not well <laughs> off financially, and he's just telling you to pursue your dreams without like thinking about anything, like mm-hmm. this is going to like bankrupt people, and they're not yeah. going to be able to dig out of this hole. No, they, they, it's just yeah, reckless advice. Mm-hmm. And he talks about um, he you know quit his, just he quit his job, and he was only making fifty dollars a month trying to be a comedian. And then he claims, and I don't believe it, that he would take that fifty dollars he made a month and didn't buy food. Or anything, or gas for his car he's living in. He would send it to his wife and kids. He has a wife and kids. Yeah. And he decides, well, screw this. I'm going to follow my dream and just, they're going to suffer financially. Yeah. Sorry, I totally interrupted because it's the lack of responsibility and the risk that you can never get yourself out of. That's the thing. Like, most people who, if they take that advice and fail spectacularly at something, they're, Mm -hmm. like, screwed for the rest of their life. Exactly. Like, it's, you can't just, like, magically Mm -mm. keep failing and failing and, like, all of a sudden, like, oh, I'm rich now. That is the beauty of him. he tells you, like, you you gotta find your passion Mm -hmm. and then, like, make that your life. If you're really good at bacon, (laughs) if you make the best fried chicken, if you're really good at styling hair, that's what you gotta do. And, like, that's fine, but, like, how many restaurants fail every year because people who like to cook open restaurants and they they don't know how to run a business? That was another note that I made was that he's like, imagine if everyone, and that's just more like like lame sales stuff, like trying to get you to, like, have, like, engage emotionally with the story. Speaking of lame sales stuff. Just imagine for a minute, if everyone took a jump, what our world would be like. It's like, well, there'd be a glut of people trying to, like, Steve Harvey himself says that when he sent his tapes into Johnny Carson... That Johnny Carson never watched them, and they were horrible, and he watches them now, and like, yeah, they were completely terrible. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to watch them. That is, and then he stuck it out and got better, which is debatable, but, because uh, I've seen him stand-up routine there, I don't think he's funny at all. Well, but, I don't think he can do it. He's very successful. No, but if you so. look at every single, if every single person's like, yeah, I want to be a comedian too, and they're also just as not talented as him, the yeah. fact, it's scarcity that let him fail upwards like he's done. If everyone was in there doing it, he would not have a chance. Mm-hmm. And so would a huge swath of people going out trying to chase yeah. after their dream of being a comedian. It's just, yeah, irresponsible, reckless advice mm-hmm. for people who are vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like, it could be disastrous for them. It's just... Absolutely. I was, and will and he again, ever we're it? still talking about what he was saying in the introduction. <laughs> I, I didn't even get to the first <laughs> chapter, and I'm already, like, livid with the advice this man is giving. Thank you. I know. I wrote down in quotes uh, that the subtitle of the book should be, like, How to Make an Asshole, because... He has bad behavior and makes bad decisions, but he forgives himself, which allows him to do it again versus forgive himself to prevent and learn from his mistake and not do it again. He just continues to keep being irresponsible and screwing up and thinking everyone has fallbacks or, you know, setbacks. And that's just what gets you ready for success. And but it's stuff like he flunked out of school. Then he had a decent job and got laid off from. Then he was lucky enough. So that's. Then he was lucky. Control. People get laid off, and that's no, no, and that's yeah. fine. But then he got a, he was lucky enough to get a, a job selling insurance, and then he just decided to quit it because he wanted to chase after his dream of being a comedian. But you, you still get that like insurance salesman vibe off of him, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Like he's uh, yeah, upselling. Yeah. But so all you do is got to change your perception about all your bad decisions. Like it's not that I'm irresponsible and I should be like the way I've treated people and what I've done to them. I should be responsible for that. No, and just like writing this book, the advice he's giving to vulnerable people, he's not going to feel responsible for. No. At all. Like, I don't think he thinks for a second, oh, I wonder if someone's homeless because they read my book and actually took my advice. 
<laughs> no, if they're homeless, it's because God wants them to be. Yeah, no, it's going to be just temporary. Yeah. If you just get through it, because like, like sometimes you jump, but sometimes you get kind of nudged off the cliff, and you got yeah, exactly. You got to yeah. learn to fly while he you're in midair. That, yeah, don't it's, worry. God's and sometimes, gotcha. like sometimes when you take the jump, like real bad things happen. But those are just the bumps and scrapes and bruises that you got to learn to wash off and keep moving. I'm like, oh my lord. Um, you were going to say something, Ben? Well, I'm still in the introduction. I had a couple of quotes that mm-hmm. I jotted down that made me furious. Um, you probably you probably do not have enough money to live meaningfully. <laughs> okay. So that's <laughs> that's, that's often, what I don't remember that quote. That was from <laughs> that was in the introduction. So basically, wow. as it, the introduction, the, this whole jump thing, it came mm-hmm. from him hosting the family feud and he apparently just gave a speech to the studio audience after taping and it was about this whole jump philosophy and that was one of the lines from his speech you can look it up on youtube by the way he encourages you to do that watch his inspirational speech Uh, um but yeah he's talking about how like if you're just going to a job that you hate like you're not really living a good life and he Mm -hmm. says you know if you just have a job you're just living check to check anyway. oh yeah so even if you have a1 credit you probably do not have enough money to live meaningfully. <laughs> How much money does one need to live meaningfully? That's oh, there was a whole section which I, we can get to later. Whoops, um, where he. Uh talks explicitly about how he was on that one television show that got canceled. So yeah, he got done in by Home Improvement. That Tim Allen. He's uh, yeah, and there's a uh, the advanced story. Well, well, we don't have to get into that. So yet. can we just yeah, that go, quote? I know though, you want to get back. Not enough money to live meaningfully. Like if he's doing all this through the lens of God helping you out. Like mm-hmm. what's the Bible passage where, <laughs> like, it's easier for to, for a camel to walk through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to get into heaven or something? Yep, exactly. But, I know. Like that, and yep. I know that's the whole the gospel of prosperity. Mm-hmm. But just seeing that's impossible to have a meaningful life if you don't have money like that's well that's the thing is because even if you try to take that philosophy and bend it towards well the bible's trying to tell you this the bible would only try to it doesn't but the bible would try to tell you that only in the sense of you take that money you've made to help everyone around you and not yourself which yeah, is there's not enough, the message that's here not all. in this book at all and that's well so, it, he does once or twice he sprinkles that in there Barely. Only towards the very end where he really tries to upsell this camp that he started. Yeah. Yeah. But there's the advanced story, which we can get to later, that I bookmarked. Um, It's where his show got canceled, and he claims, of course, he's got to put in the the little... His ego gets in the way. Like, it was the most successful show ever canceled on ABC. And then he says that the next show he gets hired for, he wanted an advance, and they were going to give him X amount of dollars, but he wanted way more than anyone would get because he wanted to buy a mansion. Yeah. That's it. That's the only reason. Not yeah, because he needed that, it to help poor kids or something. And the next day, the executive at the network cut him a check for $300,000. I know. It's like, did Is Trump this write this? Well, that was, I had that thought. Like A couple of these quotes were like Trumpian in nature. Totally Trumpian like, he, in nature. But it, he says at one point that I actually wrote down um, about how one of his wives that he was with um, didn't support him in his dreams, and why would he stay with her for another year? What kind of life is that? Yeah. Like, you are basically just supposed to stand around and support me in my dreams. Stop having your own agency. It drives me crazy. (laughs) So, here's a quote. As long as God continues to wake you up in the morning, it can't be over. It's never over. Now, if you're waking up next to the wrong person, you can feel like it's over. That's a quote. Yeah. (laughs) Real zinger there. I know. That's uh, Steve Harvey really handing it to you. That's him turning the chair backwards and talking straight with you. 
along your journey, when one door closes, there's always another door you can open. In fact, some of these doors will be slammed in your face by other people. And it's perfectly normal (laughs) to want to hit them in the face with the same door. Yes, do it. Just kidding. Every door isn't for you. (laughs) Yeah, that was one that stuck out to me, too. That was... Completely ridiculous. Yeah. But then there's this quote in the introduction. It's still in the introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no security in putting your life and your dreams in someone else's hands. Your destiny belongs to you. If you are not happy, what are you waiting for? Your life will unfold only when you choose to make that jump. Mm-hmm. So he says that, but then the rest of the book is just about absolving yourself of responsibility and letting God yeah. take care of it. It's, like, <laughs> I, it's such a mixed <laughs> exactly. message there. And it's... Yeah, I guess like the only ownership you're supposed to take is identifying what you want to do mm-hmm. and then just recklessly pursuing that and just having faith that it'll work out in the end. Yeah, he uses God as a license to just be a selfish person, which is pretty much the message of prosperity gospel, which is you should be able to get what you want and you can hurt people on the way, but those are just boo-boos that God forgives and God wants you to have this thing. It's The whole message is frustrating as hell. Um, he Can't. does the loan advance story, which I'm just going to jump to because it's it's like important to me because he completely makes himself a hypocrite after telling the loan advance story, almost immediately talks about this young comedian, and it drives me completely nuts. While you're looking it up, can I just quickly read the titles of all six chapters? <laughs> Go ahead. Chapter one, Ain't No Lesson Like a Bot Lesson. <laughs> Chapter two, there are no straight lines in nature. Mm-hmm. Chapter three. If you're going through hell, keep going. <laughs> Chapter four. Life is a four-letter word. <laughs> Chapter five. A man without vision or a dream shall perish. And chapter six, stop existing and start living. Getting to uh, the the advanced story where he asks for a large advance. I'm just going to read a little bit of this, and then I'm going to jump to where he's a complete hypocrite. Uh, ABC then offered me $75,000 uh, a signing bonus to do a new show. This is after his uh, last one failed, which was Me and the Boys. Yeah. Which he, I have it highlighted, it was the highest rated show to be canceled in ABC history, which is very Trumpian. Yeah, I didn't and, do any fact checking, by the way. So no, I'm, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to believe him. That's where I'm going to default. Uh, he says that they offered him that, and he said he wouldn't sign it. He said, I needed 300000 I wanted to buy a house, and I wanted $1 million. Uh, because I didn't have good credit, again, another sign of his completely crappy choices and lifestyle, the only way I could get the house was to put down 300000 My mortgage would be 2500 These are details that no one needs to know. I knew that I could hustle that on the road. My agent friend, Fred Whitehead, didn't think it was possible, blah, blah, blah. They said they haven't given anything like that since Don Johnson. Why would they give him uh, that money? And he goes, because I'm going to ask. So he went, and they gave him that money. So... That's the success story of just having the balls to do it because you deserve it kind of thing. Um, Then he's talking about going on a large tour. This is later on in the book. And it's like this big comedy tour with a bunch of people. And so this one young comedian wanted to go with him. So he's going to give him that chance to go with. So he says, okay, man, I'll throw you a bone. I agreed to let him come on the road for an opening act of 1,500 a night. The night before this comedian is scheduled to come on tour with me, he calls and says, hey, man, I'm going to need more money. I said, why? And he had the nerve to reply, because I'm worth more than that. His name wasn't on the tickets, posters, or marquees. I was doing him a favor by allowing him to put some money in his pocket on my tour. He ended the call with, man, just call me when you figure out how much you can give me, and I'm going to need 3,500 for tonight. 
I couldn't believe he did this on the night before the tour. So this kid is literally doing what he talks about, which yeah. is, I deserve this uh-huh. amount of money. Yeah. I'm going to be bold and say, you give it to me or I'm not doing whatever. So he's like taken aback and offended that he would have the balls to like not show him the respect he deserves. <laughs> Uh, so he says he spoke with the promoter. They said they had a young man who was just starting out and willing to do it for $500 a night. Yep. And so he went with that. And he yeah. even says, I hired him on the spot and kept my tour moving. Needless to say, that other comedian never got a callback about his 3500 Then he says he ran into him a few years later, and the kid said, you got to put me on your show. And he didn't respond. And he said, I don't have a place for you. So then the kid starts calling everybody from his attorney to his publicist and his manager and everyone. And he just got mad and just... Cut the kid out. He said, brother, listen to me. I've never met anyone who is more ungrateful and two-faced than you. I don't owe you nothing. All I could say was, man, or all he could say was, man, you've changed. So this is the thing that really yeah. bothered me out of this story. One, the kid is doing exactly what he said you're supposed to do. Yeah. Then when the adversity where he stumbles, boy, that didn't work out. I'm just going to try again. So he's harassing him by contacting his attorney and his manager and all this stuff. So then he says, I don't owe you nothing, and you're two-faced, and you're ungrateful. So the kid says, man, you've changed, because he has. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> Not in a good way, in a no. hypocritical way. Yeah. So then he goes off and says, I had changed to the point where I knew that I didn't have to live up to anyone's expectations of who they thought I should be. So when people say, you've changed, it's okay, because change is a good thing. He literally changes yeah. his own philosophy based on his mood. So basically, yeah. get everything you can get. And don't help anybody else out. No. <laughs> but you should expect them all to help you. That's what the advanced story stuck out. Of like, oh, that's very bold. You but demand it, money you don't deserve, and they gave it to you. Or him stealing food on the other guy, the nice guy in whatever, Atlanta, who would like, give him a bucket of food every time. Oh, he yeah, that's like, right. Yeah. So he's relying on the kindness of strangers mm-hmm. when he's starting out. And then, so yeah. he's just like a parasite. He just feeds yeah. off of other people and literally goes into the grocery stores walking around with a loaf of their bread and their bologna and other stuff that he'll eat while in the store. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone owes him. It's amazing. Let's get into the pageant, since we're not going linearly here. Uh, and this was a famous incident. Yes. Was, um, the thing I took away from his story... Was it 2014, 2015, was it? Yeah, Universe? 2014 or 15. It was like, yeah, Miss Universe, whatever. Um, uh, Miss Columbia got like screwed out of winning or whatever. Um, the way he describes it was like a cartoon where when Miss Columbia got the crown originally, but he made the mistake, then every then all the people from Columbia apparently are like cheering and yeah. and whatever and talking about how it's a great success for their nation, which I doubt really happened. And then when it was removed from her and given to whoever else, uh, then they all booed him and said that this is a sham and it's a setup. And, like, I don't think any of this happened live right there on the spot. It seems a little cartoonish and over the top to me, personally. Yeah. Um, Those Colombians are fiery, though. We all know that about South Americans. I guess, because then he starts saying that he receives, started receiving death threats afterwards. Uh, but then uh, the one thing I do love about this story is he screwed up. It's yeah. not the biggest deal in the world. I mean, to, at the time, it's like a screw-up that everyone in the world gets to see, so it's embarrassing. He, po- he he posits the whole thing as if he's a hero for doing the right thing, as if it's something bigger than him just... The only risk yeah. for him in this scenario is being embarrassed. But yeah. he treats it as if he had to man up, and this is when he's going to do the right thing in the face of adversity and all this kind of well, stuff. Well, like, he even said that he took responsibility for it because... Mm. And just took all the blame because the other people working on the show that contributed to the mistake being made. 
they would be at risk of losing their jobs. Right. And we're, so he manned up and like took responsibility for it mm-hmm. because he knew he had there was he wasn't going to lose anything. There was like no risk for him to do that. Yeah. Because of his stature. So yeah, he, he realizes that he's taking absolutely no risk. This isn't mm-hmm. a big deal for him to do that. Yeah. You would think that it's admirable that. At I mean, least the way fine. he the way he was describing it in the book, it's admirable that he thought about all the other people on the production that yeah. might not have another chance to work, you know, if they're tied to this mistake. Or if, you know, if he sort of insinuates that it's not really his fault and somebody else screwed up. But he's still acknowledging that he's immune to any fallout from it. Like, he'll be fine no matter what. So yeah, exactly. It's easy for him to do the right thing here. But my favorite is that um, he, even though he's not trying to say that it was anybody else's fault in the book... His ego gets in the way, and it's another Trumpian kind of thing, that he has to say that Dr. Phil reached out to make the point that it's not a single person mistake. So he's not saying it himself, he's saying that Dr. Phil said it, but he's making sure it's in the book so that we can know that other people, look, I'm too modest, but other people are saying it's not a single person mistake, but I'm not that guy. Well, he did get to it in the book too, though. He said like it was different when they were rehearsing it, because apparently when they're rehearsing it, there's only the first runner-up and then the champion. But on the live, there's an extra cue card in there, and they're announcing yeah. two runners up. And he said and that, champion, like, and like basically, it came down. He didn't read the card that they handed him. Well, he was saying that like the the winner was like written down in the corner of yeah, the card. Yeah, rehearsal, it was right in the middle. But <laughs> when he handed him this card, it was down in the corner. So that's a guy he, manning he up. He didn't yeah. read the card. Basically. Like he's the big guy taking the brunt of the backlash yeah. to protect others. That's what you're reading right there. That's what you're witnessing yeah. in this book. Uh. Also, the Trumpian thing before that, he's just like bragging about how much all these Miss Universe uh, contestants loved him. Oh, I know. Because he made them all laugh. They were mm-hmm. all just hanging oh, on his every word. They just appreciated. They, they appreciated how he just lightened the mood because yeah. they were all so stressed out. And he he realized how yeah. like they were under a lot of stress. Um, I love the the scene where he describes that Christmas Day after this, where things have just gone down the tubes, and he's getting death threats, and everyone's making fun of him, and he really complains about social media and how he became a meme and stuff um, that on Christmas Day he wakes up and he goes out to the pool because it was a beautiful 60 degree day in yeah. Texas or wherever he's living he lights up a stogie he lights up a stogie and then that's when like uh, I forget who from CNN reaches out to him to say Andrew, hey we should Anderson Cooper yeah and then it's um, oh god what's that guy's name who does Matia or, Madea or whatever Tyler Perry Tyler Perry so Tyler Perry oh, am I just doing the same shtick as I was last week yeah, that's what's happening right now. Tyler Perry uh, reaches out to him, goes like, "Don't, don't do the CNN thing. Just be quiet. Let it all go away. It's just people on their blogs, and like no one's going to pay attention. They're just looking for the poop to stink." And then what he does is he waits a little bit, and then he has Miss Columbia on his show. So he yeah. capitalizes on this to get ratings for his show. Yeah, big reunion. She forgives him. He's crying, and then on top of it. T-Mobile asks him to do a commercial for the Super Bowl, and he does it. And then he brags about it like he's Trump. It was like the, the second best commercial. The best commercial that's ever been on the Super Bowl. one of the, the top Bowl. two commercials in the Super Bowl that I know. year. Which I don't so know here's what a guy who's trying to be humble yeah. and accept a thing, and then he's like, oh, I can make a ton of money off this. <laughs> but, I mean, that's the whole message of the book, though, isn't it? That it's just a complete lack of morals. Getting rich. Yeah, exactly. Because like, that's what God wants you to do. So... He gets married again and immediately has tax problems. But you know what that is? It's not his fault. It's, it's adversity that accountant. God provided because the accountant died. The accountant never, and never filed his tax return. Yeah, so. died and never filed his tax returns. So but is it a problem that he had a shitty accountant and he never followed up on the accountant's work to make sure things are being done correctly or anything along those lines to make sure things are okay? Because the idea of an accountant skimming money has yeah. never been heard of before. He was also kind of bragging in that in so much as he, he made a point of saying that he owed the IRS an eight-figure sum. Mm-hmm. 
That's a lot of money. Yeah, he's got to brag about it. And then, but this adversity is only God's way of making sure that his new wife really does love him and will stick to him through anything. And then, boy, did he work real hard to make sure that, and he started giving figures of like, normally I do like X amount of dollar ones, but this one I did like slightly less, but I was just desperate. I wanted to pay off these taxes in under 12 years. Yeah, like slightly less. It was like 150 grand as opposed to like, 200 grand or something, right? Oh, it was, yeah, like, I don't know. I don't like, remember. Yeah, ridiculous I, like I said, I read this like in, a, in a flurry of anger uh, right before you came over. So yeah. I don't remember the numbers. So I think... But I just love that he is so irresponsible both all throughout his history and then even down to his finances, he gets married and has this huge tax issue. But he doesn't take responsibility for it. It's just another adversity that's been handed to him and that's just part of the game. It's how God makes sure that you're going to get more money. you got to earn it by suffering a little bit first. Yeah. All right, well, on that note, let's take a break. Okay. And and just breathe for a little bit. And we're back. Uh, We've got our coffee. We've talked about how... We've already talked about the kissing story, which you might as well just dive right into. Um, Is that his camp that he's so... Gracious, so, which is fine. The, a, a good, camp well, for kids who need some strong male authority figure guidance in their lives—that's great. Yeah, but it, I mean, again, look at his ego there. So, is it a camp for underprivileged kids that need to have an opportunity and stuff? That's great. But all it really is is him and other famous people that he can brag about having there, giving advice to the kids. So it gets the and, reason why this kissing story stands out is because it gets—it's beyond. Hey, do you really want to play this sport? Well, then here's what you need to know, and here's this famous sports athlete that can talk to you about it and stuff, and that's a great opportunity for these kids, right? Um, Instead, it gets personal. So he says in here, one evening we were talking about girls at the camp, because apparently girls aren't invited. It's all boys and men. I'm sorry. Can we back up and just set up the camp a little bit? Fine. I'm dying to get into this. I know, but but just how he's he's breaking. So he is... You know, trying to do this charitable good thing for kids. Mm-hmm. He sets up this camp for unprivileged kids. But even then, he brags about... He decided to do it because he had this uh, apparently huge piece of land in Dallas that he never uses. <laughs> so he's like, I'll turn it into a camp for kids. And he's just like, he's still like bragging about this. there's probably some tax thing that's involved oh, with this. That's probably the, sure. reason, the real reason why. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, yeah, I'm sure. Because it sounds like a really nice piece of property in Dallas. <laughs> like on a lake, there's fishing, there's swimming. Yeah, exactly. And um, so he's bragging about that part of it. And then he's bragging, like he's like trying to do kind of a humble break, I think. Like, mm-hmm. boy, I didn't know if this was going to be a big deal. I thought we'd be lucky <laughs> if we got 50 kids there. But it turns out we had 100 that we let in, but there was over like, 5,000 that applied. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm like, so popular. I'm just Steve Harvey. I mean, how many kids are going to show up? I and mean, yeah, what are the odds? Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, he, that's how he starts his camp. And then there's a, an awkward kid who has a crush on the girl. And I'll yeah, and that's that the kissing story. story. So... Uh, 11th grader stood to express himself, and uh, I'm not going to be quoting the entire thing, but the kid explains that he's got this friend who's a girl, and uh, I was in the 5th grade, and we were close, and then she's got this boyfriend who isn't good, he's cheating on her, he's with other women, <clears throat> and kind of, what do you what do I do? He says, I said to the kid, you ain't never wanted to be just her friend, have you? The kid says, no, sir. Mind you, none of this happened. This entire dialogue is completely made up of thin air. Uh, you never wanted to be her friend, have you? No, sir. What you really want to do is kiss her. The kid says, yes, sir, exclamation point, and right in front of 200 other boys says, right now. This never happened. No. <laughs> and then 
this little bitty dude with big glasses said, right now, everyone in the room started cracking up and blah, blah, blah. Since I had some experience and some research to share, research, I gave him some practical advice. I told him that uh, there had to, he had to be there for the girl, and since the other man had done her wrong, uh, he says, quote, you need to be kind to her after the other brother mistreated her. You have to offer her an alternative. Take her out somewhere. Take her to get some pizza or something. Sit down and tell her, look, I know... We're just friends, and I know this guy hurt you, but I would never hurt you, and blah, 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 blah. The smitten boy replies, oh, because uh, the, he mentions like her getting coffee. And the other kids yeah. go, kids her age don't drink coffee. Uh, he says, man, that's old Mr. Harvey. Girls don't drink coffee. And then the quote is, the smitten boy replied, she drinks grand lattes with extra milk, with foam and chocolate at the bottom. This never happened. <laughs> And so he goes, the room exploded and whatever. And then he goes, uh, and then later on he says, well, he paid um, close attention and knew to look for the small details of what she likes. This will permit him to eventually find another special young lady today because he never got the girl. But Again. Okay, so even talking about the coffee thing, the uh, he had done his research on his girl. Mm. Like just like language like that is problematic. Like that's his girl right there. I know. That he's doing his research. On. He's First of all, he's stalking her. That's like really weird behavior. Oh. But then just referring to it as his girl, like, no. No, and I love that um, there's the story about him. So his attitude towards women in general. There's the story about him seeing an attractive woman while he's doing a set at some nightclub or whatever. And in the middle of his set, he stops and says, like, I'm going to marry you to this woman who's like walking down the aisle, like to go sit down. Yeah. And then it's like, I guess they were dating or something. It's like another success story of him seeing something he wants and taking it. Yeah. Not a human being with their own well, and that's wants th- and desires in the world. He's just like, you look attracted to me and I will have you. And she didn't seem like she wanted to at first, but I got her. Yeah. And he's married <laughs> to her now. Is that the one he married yeah, to? Yeah, that's his third wife. Because then he talks about after the divorce. Uh, yeah, he got back with this one. Oh, is it that? That's the person? Yeah. Okay, because then he got back with her. But he considers that jumping. He considers it jumping, and God guided him. <laughs> yeah. He literally got divorced and was like, I should call up that lady I used to know a long time ago. And he did. And he's famous enough where she kept seeing him. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we quickly talk about his... Again, I'm not a biblical scholar, but mm-hmm. what I see as his just misreading of the Bible and misunderstanding <laughs> of a couple of words in the Bible... Sure. Um, so this is going back to chapter two, and this is a passage from, uh, book of James chapter two, verse 14. Oh, I think I wrote that same one down. Uh, faith without works is dead. Yep. Um, what does it profit my brethren? If someone says he has faith, but does not have works, can faith save him? (laughs) What does the word (laughs) works mean in that context? Well, in that it means context, like works of Christian faith, doesn't and it? And helping others yeah. and all that stuff that Jesus talked about. Yeah. What Steve Harvey thinks it means, though, is like working towards your own dreams. Towards your own dreams. And exactly. Like, he thinks works here means work. Like, I was pointing out the hard exact work same thing. <laughs> like, that's not at all what that word means in that passage. And then the word faith, mm-hmm. I think he keeps interchangeably using faith in like the religious sense of faith and god or christ or whatever mm-hmm. like, no you're right religious he faith, but then he like interchangeably uses that with like the secular meaning of faith just like belief in yourself or whatever that's yeah and he just uses those interchangeably he throughout does the book. he does bounce back and forth between that because it's faith in yourself to take the jump but then it's also faith that god's going to support you while you yeah. do it 
And every time you screw up, God's never going to judge you, and you can just keep moving on without thinking about it. Which was annoying, but the, the, yeah, just that no, you're misreading right. and, of the word works in that Bible passage was just... He mentioned several years ago there was a lot of rumors going around about me and my personal life and my business. Um, and that, that, he, that was an adversity he had to work against. What was that? I, that's when I got on Wikipedia to look up, like, well, there's a couple creepy things, but in Wikipedia, they don't talk about something that involves his family and his business. It's him saying something like crappy about Asians and, <laughs> which is amazing. Yeah. And then like, you know, some other things that he can explain away. But what do you think that one was? What, where was that? What refresh my memory? Do you have more? Uh, no, it was fairly early on in the book. Again, this was just a giant rush of me reading all before you came over, yeah. but there was or fairly early on in the book and he was just, and that was part of where, uh, like Anderson Cooper wanted to have him on to explain his side of the story and whatever this thing was that he won't really tell you what it is, but he's using it in his book as a sign of him rising above other people's selfishness. Wait, was Anderson Cooper in the book other than just for the Miss Universe thing? Uh, I thought it was a couple times. He's mentioned him a few times in the book. Oh. Oh, just like Trump, one of the quotes is, I've lost everything I've owned twice. Because <laughs> Trump can't keep a keep yeah. a company afloat, and it's like he's kind of brags about how yeah it failed, but I just got more money from other people. <laughs> also, so this he's using his personal stories to supposedly get this message of his across. Mm-hmm. How unrelatable are his stories? Like, oh, these I know, have no bearing on a normal person's life. So. No, because the thing is, is he's trying to show that he always had a great sense of humor when it came to sleeping in his car and stuff, and he tells these stories that are like. Are they even true? Like how he was sleeping in his car one night and he had the windows open and he saw this big pink thing come in through the window and he thought it was a snake, so he falls out and he gets out. And it turns out it's a cow sticking its tongue in the window. Yeah. But then, like, hilariously, another guy pulls up like, are you okay, sir? And he's like, and I started laughing. And I was like, and did that even the, happen? The night that he slept by the lake and then the it, lake flooded and yeah. he had to get his car towed out. Well, my first thought was... How did he afford that? Yep. That's my first yeah, that was, thing. Because yeah, he had to steal bread and uh, yeah. whatever uh, to eat and stuff. So he's in his car eating this bread and bologna. And then it's like, but somehow he could afford a tow. Yeah. He parked That's a couple the, hundred he, bucks. He parked, by, in his own words, like five or six feet from a lake. Like, who? I know. Like, what? Why is he just driving that? through the woods and parking on a beach? I don't... <laughs> yeah, like, what exactly. is it? Um, so I... There was... Because I would always think, if you're going to sleep in your car, where you park? Because you don't want to have someone attack you, and you yeah. don't want to have the police get at you. Yeah, Walmart so parking, parking lot, right? Yeah, Isn't well, parking that... somewhere is like kind of difficult without having yeah. a problem so you can sleep. Does he understand what sleeping in your car is like? Because for him, it's all this idyllic stuff. Like, I park next to a lake. or I, Apparently, he was parking in the middle of nowhere and just kind of parked alongside a farm yeah. with a cow thing. Yeah. I don't think he ever slept in his car. <laughs> no, probably not. Um, so there was, in chapter two, he was talking about how he was, um, he got invited to perform at the Apollo. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, him bragging again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Jamie Foxx went on stage before him and got booed off. Yeah, he said, boy, it's a tough crowd. Yeah, but he outdid Jamie Foxx. Well, yeah, he, he left to a, a standing ovation. Um, <laughs> that was Mike Tyson joke, wasn't it? <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that because that's, that's my question. I don't know what his famous Mike Tyson joke is. Neither do I. Do you? No. I thought now would be a good time to look it up. Maybe we should. Let's take I a... I intentionally did not look it up. Yeah, I me mean, neither. Um... Yeah, he described it as his famous Mike Tyson joke. Mike Tyson eye joke. 1990 YouTube. All right. Let's check it out. This is the YouTube recording at mm. the Apollo. Oh, look at him. Let's get that volume way up so people can hear it. Tonight we have... Steve Harvey from Atlanta. Mike Tyson loves to fight. 
don't care if it's in the ring or out the ring. Man or woman, Mike just wants to get it on. And if you don't think that's true, you just ask that heavyweight fighter, Mitch Green. You remember Mitch Green, don't you? Heavyweight fighter he got in a fight with in New York late night in a store over a leather coat. And he hit Mitch Green in the eye. Mitch was on the news for two weeks telling the same lie. All I did was, I walked in the store and Mike Tyson hit me in the eye. And then he pulled his glasses off. Did you see his eye? His eye was just hanging out of his head. And a funny thing happened at that moment. His eye took over the interview. His eye was on TV going, oh, I'll tell you what happened. This kind of standing ovation. This is jokes. I am not listening to this whole thing. That is not funny at all. But he got a standing ovation because the eye is funnier than the guy. Get it, Ben? Ben, do you get it? I, is that is there a more famous Mike Tyson joke than his? Because that didn't seem to fit the bill. Let's see. It's five minutes long, according to this Chicago Tribune article. A killer piece. Very visual. I'm a very free-thinking person. I'm innately funny. I was born with this, says Harvey. Well, and that's... I mean... <laughs> You're, you support that. So that's, that Mike Tyson yeah, that's one of the joke, least offensive things he's said. I mean, that's that joke that had us rolling Okay, is what launched this man's career. Uh, yeah. God bless him. Um... To get to the next level, you have to break through a glass ceiling, but when you break through the glass, there's going to be bloodshed. Also, Albert Einstein said imagination is everything. He said that in relation to how he's able to visualize all these concepts. Like, how did you come up with, uh, like, you know, how gravity distorts time? Yeah. And it's like, well, it's because you use your imagination. Imagination is everything and how to understand yeah. this stuff. But he says that imagination is everything in relation to him being able to get a car and a nice house. So yeah. Albert Einstein's backing him up. And God has chosen him to have these beautiful things because he took the time to imagine it. <laughs> Everybody has a Miss Universe moment. <laughs> yeah. And I guess, So he's trying to make his Miss Universe story relatable, but that's such a poor way of doing it. it can, it, so just bad writing. That was another thing. Um, oh, well, obviously. I mean, mind you, we're picking out the stuff that in between each of these things that we're pointing out and talking about, it's just fluff about how you just got to take the jump. And when you take the jump, you know, it's thrilling and scary, but then it's going to work out in the end. I mean, that's like every other page is a big three paragraph long statement about that. But just his, his ham fisted writing, too. Um, so he's this is going back to the first chapter. He's talking about um, after he failed out of college, he got a decent job working at the Ford mm-hmm. factory making cars. Mm hmm. Um, and he's explaining how you make an engine block. And it's basically just a bunch of scrap metal <laughs> that gets melted together yep. and molded. Um, and then his job was after it cools a little bit, he would hit it with a sledgehammer and all the loose bits would fall off. Mm-hmm. So anyway, again, make an engine block. You take scraps of metal and you turn it into this <laughs> thing. <laughs> this rock hard thing that can't be yeah. broken. Much like, quote, God can take... The scraps of your life turn them into your engine of determination to succeed and help you soar higher than you ever have been before. Yep. How 
God bless him. I know. How dumb is that analogy? I love that he comes up with analogies that, in reality, are pointless or dumb. I don't know how to explain it. He says, think about where you live. You had a realtor walk you through your home or your apartment, and you imagined your furniture there before you were even approved to sign the lease or get your mortgage. Then, the car you drive, you imagined yourself driving it off the lot before you finished the paperwork, before you even went down to the dealership. Both those scenarios are just basic marketing. It's a salesperson trying to get you... This isn't you visualized it and it happened magically. This is you like, oh, this car seems nice, and the person's like, yeah, you want to test drive it? You know, kind of picture yourself driving this around your neighbor. You know, same with the house. Like, oh, yeah, here you could have a nice little kitchen. You can have your family over for the holidays. Yeah, it's not magic where it's like, then I imagined my furniture in this place, and now I'm living there. (laughs) And it's just, again, just... As long as you sign the papers, you can live there. (laughs) This is the whole gospel he's preaching, but it's just defensive, like, how materialistic this all is. It's just, Mm -hmm. that's all the goal is here is acquiring things, nice yep. things. And I do love that his attempts at trying to be down to earth or quirky and cute or fun or whatever, staying someplace like the Sheraton was a joy to me. Man, I had a hotel room exclamation point. Having my own bathroom for a night was unbelievable. I would take four <laughs> showers in a day because damn, they had running water. And what else on, would he do in that hotel bathroom? some occasions, I would just sit on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> for hours. Just because he could. Yep. Unless you're homeless, you don't even know the luxury of what it's like to sit on a toilet for as long as you want, even if you don't have to go. Just That's his attempt to try. I don't think he was ever homeless. No. This is not what people do. Uh, for the past few years, one of my requests during my morning gratitude prayers was for God to increase my global presence. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I also, this one is just kind of random. Um, oh, and then he also, on page he also, 62, just God is a trainer. <laughs> um, page, page 130, he's he's quoting uh, Biggie Smalls, Mo Money, Mo Problems. Oh, yep, yep, yep. He doesn't, Which, he, again, is just him breaking. He's got, I've got too much money. Yeah, he goes, I don't normally quote rap artists, but yeah. uh, find what gives you pleasure, define what a success means to you, and create a plan for achieving it. When I talk about success, I don't mean necessarily money. Your success could be found by expanding your family, it could be found by developing a close relationship with God, and it could mean finding an exceptional spouse. It does not have to mean abruptly quitting your job as I did. So in that statement, the reason why I highlighted it, it is literally the opposite. Because here he's saying you can have a normal life and not have enough money to be worthwhile. Like You could find pleasure in other things. Um, Which is the complete opposite of 90% of the book. Yeah, it's my cat screaming. That sounds serious this time. Yeah, it's always like that. Okay. They're very, very old. I've heard them screaming before, but... They're very old. They do this all the time. Yeah. So anyways, in this one paragraph, it's like somebody else sat down and wrote this because it's the complete opposite of what he's been saying through his whole book. So why is that in there? It makes no sense to me. Well, I was going to say, finally, about 80% of the way through the book, he did kind of talk about being realistic about your dreams. Mm -hmm. Talking about if you're 40 years old, uh, you can stop hoping that you'll be in the NBA. (laughs) Um. And like he said, what if someone says he hopes to jump to the moon one day? <laughs> okay, you hope to do what? You can do squats, and by the time your legs are built enough after all them years, you probably will not be able to jump there no how. <laughs> he says you probably won't be able to jump to the moon. He won't even like say, like, yeah, that's dumb. He's an amazing it, you man. You probably can't jump to the moon. There's still a chance, though. Um, oh, 
Uh, and here's a quote that I think is perfectly summed up the book. When God puts something in your imagination, you have to run with it. You can't let anybody kill the vision that God put inside you. So for him, it's the vision of him imagining living in a beautiful house, having the nice car. That's a vision that God gave him, and no one should ever get in the way of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's he shaves his head now. But when he had hair, he said he was getting three to four haircuts a week. Yeah. I, now, I'm I'm a bald man. You can tell that by looking at me. Is it normal for people with hair to go to the barber like three no, or four times a week? I go how like once a month. Hair? Once a month. Okay. Is how often? I, that stood out to me that he was going for three to four haircuts a week. Yeah. What's going on with his body where he's promo- like producing that much hair? Or is he just like? Do you ever get jealous when you read this book? Like you just rub your your hairless scalp and think, "Wow, what would it be like to go three to four times a week to get a haircut?" <laughs> that sounds like a hassle. It is a huge hassle. Um. But does he just, like, not comb it? Like, he has to go to the... I don't know. Get it cut. Is that where he was talking about how he had, like, the high fade thing? Yeah. Like, in the 90s? his wife wanted him to, like, yeah, get rid of the hair and get rid of his pimp suits. Oh, and I did write down a note about his pimp suits because he refers to them as pimp suits. And he considers that a jump, too. And then I stopped wearing the suits. Yeah, that's right. That's a jump. Like, everything is a conquering of something. Changing his wardrobe. Like, so he doesn't look like a pimp. Like, like I ran out of ice cream, so I went to Target and bought more. I took that jump, and I succeeded. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because God wanted you to. I love Um, that he went to the camp, or when he was doing the camp, uh, you were talking about how, like, he was like, oh, I'm just Steve Harvey. How many kids could possibly come? And then he talks about how, like, thousands of kids wanted to come. So he says, I stood there and watched them pour into the camp, and this is my favorite part, because this sounds like one of those sort of like insincere things that a self-help guru would say. Uh, I knew that it would be a powerful weekend. <laughs> uh, do you know anything about the dating website, Ben? Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. Did you look it up? Because I didn't have time. I No, I intentionally didn't look it up because I wanted to look up with you. All, <laughs> all I know about it is what was in the Wikipedia article. Um, the dating website is called Delightful. And, oh, uh, yeah. And it... Uh, Helps women become more dateable. Yeah. <laughs> How oh my God. terrible is that? That's, it's called that's Delightful. all I know about it. Delightful.com. Find love and keep it. Oh, this looks trashy. Oh, my God, Ben. This is not a website you would trust. Wait, I'm but I'm looking for love-minded singles. <laughs> love-minded singles? Delightful.com is intended to bring together single men and single women, which has never been done before. Whether you're looking for pen pals, friendship, romance, and more, enjoy uplifting compatible relationships with delightful online community. Our mission is simple, creating relationships, connecting lives. Well, they're not specifically pointing out that they're trying to make women more dateable. I wonder if that's just a Wikipedia-ism. What uh? Would you? What do you come away from with this uh, self-help book? I, Is there anything about it that's redeeming for you? I actually, uh, I've, I've got a couple. Oh, you do? I, I, I got I nothing. Go on. So, if you if you're trying hard, you can get a couple of messages out of here. I think one is perseverance. Sure. The rationale behind his perseverance is twisted and perverted, <laughs> but if you want to get to it, like, there's a message in there of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we we talked about earlier when he said the you know, the windshield is way bigger than the rearview mirror in your car, which is 
it's again true. look to the future don't dwell on the past but he takes it too far and like doesn't learn from his past his mistakes like, yeah that was a big one that he doesn't actually learn from any yeah, of his mistakes but I can the if we're trying to be nice like Mm-hmm. Not dwelling on the past and moving forward. I mean, that's something that could be helpful. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm clutching at straws here, but uh, being open to new experiences and getting out of your comfort zone a little bit. Sure. Okay. But these are things he takes it way too far and just yeah does. He's suggesting that you do it in a completely reckless manner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could just screw you for the rest of your life. <laughs> so exactly. it's yeah. No, and, these are and just good like the goal, like if you're trying to better yourself, like that's a noble goal. Mm-hmm. I just think picking up a book like this is not the best way to do it. No. Oh, me? What my thoughts are? Yeah, Thanks, do you have any, Thanks do you have for any asking. Good takeaways from it? Uh, in my case, we're experiencing a book written by an unintelligent man. He isn't able to mask his own ego. So. Everything, I mean, even down to his college experience. He sort of glosses over to what extent he did so poorly in school when it costs money to go to school. So, like, there's a responsibility there. Yeah, and college isn't for everybody. Which is fine. Yeah, but uh, I'm not judging that. I didn't finish college, so I'm definitely on that boat. But when I was paying for it, and having to raise money for it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I took it fairly seriously where I realized this isn't a good use of my time because I hate being here. Yeah. Um, in his case, he sort of blames the situation versus himself. Then he gets a job at like the Ford Motor Factory or whatever and makes a good living, which is fine. None yeah. of this is bad. But his ego gets in the way of the story where he has to talk about how he'd go back to visit his college friends. And boy, were they so grateful to him because he had money and he'd buy them food and take them out to watch. Yeah, because he was the 20 year old with the good with the money. Blue yeah. collar job back in the day when the blue collar job was. Yeah, decent. Give you, you a could like live off of it. Yeah. Class existence. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so even then it was like sort of a, I'm better than them. Yeah. Yeah, because he because he also he had it all figured out already. Yeah, he had yeah exactly, and so it's it's one of those things where it's like, but then he does admit like, well, then they all went off to have their careers after college, and I wasn't following. But he still had to be like, but I'm kind of better than them because I was already living and having yeah. these experiences that they weren't having because they were coddled in school. They're they're just existing. He's living. Yeah, exactly. And so He's, it's like it's an it's a man who's not smart enough to strip out his own ego. Um. He's not able to deliver a message where he can't get himself in there to let you know that he's not, uh, like, that he's not a failure. He never was a failure, even when he's trying to humble himself by saying, look how I was kind of a failure in the past, but it's all part of some bigger message. He's still got to be like, but I wasn't really. So that's something that goes to show that you're taking advice from a person who isn't smart enough to understand how to deliver a message, much less that he has one to give you. And he's incredibly shallow. Incredibly shallow. His whole goal is this... Mm -hmm. You're Accumulation also, of material wealth and like yep. a hot wife, yeah, ex- a hot exactly. subservient wife, exactly one that he could just claim from his uh, stand-up show, and she's just you know, he won anyways, even though she said no. Um, the other thing I can't stand is uh, his interpretation of the religion he claims to be a part of is yeah. completely convenient, uh, cherry-picked, and no depth whatsoever. No. Like. If he is a man that reads his Bible, I don't think he's reading it. I don't think any of this is true because he's taking quotes out without looking at the context. So if you're a person that's actually sitting around studying the Bible, you'd get the context. Well, and that's... <laughs> you wouldn't be like, oh, this means you should get rich. 
Yeah. It, you don't think that as you're reading this book about like how people suffer and how you're supposed to turn to God. You're he's so it's a person that doesn't even have an understanding of the religion he claims I, to be a part of. I think of. so. Yeah, and I've mentioned that I consider myself an atheist, mm-hmm. but I grew up in a Catholic oh. household and I yeah, went to you. church regularly and did mm-hmm. Bible school or whatever on Sunday school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think I I haven't been to church in about twenty five years now. Yeah, but I think I have a better understanding of the Bible than this it's, man who claims clearly. to be a. You know, child of God, and yeah, and he's been raised in a house or a very religious mother and everything like that. Where it's yeah. like, was his mother just full of selfish biblical related quips? <laughs> God said, know. You better clean your room because if you don't, you know, judgment day is coming or something. Like, what kind of life did he grow up in? <laughs> yeah, that's, I don't know. And then also, um, the complete unreality, it's the he. He's taken the stereotype of what he thinks a self-help message is and wrote a whole book around it, which is follow your dreams at all costs and wrote a whole book on that cliche that's been said a million times that people say when making fun of self-help books, he's doing it and he's turned it into a 200, 150 page book. Yeah. Which goes to show it's not a philosophy that he himself follows. I don't think he follows any of the shit he's saying in there. I think he's making up the story about the kid who wants to kiss the girl. I think everything in here is made up. Probably, which is disturbing because that was a problematic story. A like, very problematic story. Like a sex offender. He's describing <laughs> Exactly. So he basically, this book only shines a light on, here's a person who will take every opportunity to make money in a desperate sort of scramble as if... If he doesn't have enough money at the end, something bad happens. And this book is one well, more example. The bad of it. thing that's going to happen is he's not going to live a meaningful life. No, it's not you meaningful. Need a lot of money to do that. Yeah, of course. He started off in the introduction by telling us that. I know, and that's the thing is that even in his own philosophy of like making money and being successful isn't something you should be ashamed of. It's something God wants for you. What is he doing with this success and this wealth? Just sitting on it. Yeah. <laughs> So why would God, why is God's only existence in the universe to make sure you make a lot of money that you can sit on? And then when you die, it's maybe your ex-wives get it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's got, he's on his third wife. He has Mm -hmm. seven kids. Does he have seven kids? Well, I think, well, that's currently. So I think three were his wives and they they blended their families. So. Oh, that's right. I think he had like four. I love the term blended. (laughs) Um, So. We read this to take a break from the Golden Com- or the His Dark Materials trilogy. Yes. The last time we took a break, it was for Bob Honey, Who Just Do Stuff by Sean Penn. Which was more frustrating than this one. Uh, okay, that was my question. Did you, which of those two did you enjoy reading more? This one or Bob Honey? I think enjoy reading is a strange choice. I, think, I know, that's why I'm using it. I think, let's use the phrase drawn in. Bob Honey was confusing and it was just a mess. And I couldn't get myself to understand what I was reading because it was just a hodgepodge of just trash. But yeah. this, the stories, like I kept saying before, that it was constantly padded with big statements about just jump and it's worth going for your dreams. So there was a lot to skip over, but certain stuff jumped out at you where you were forced to sit and read it because it was so ridiculous. Like the story of the young comedian doing exactly what he did, but then he rejected him and what what the audacity of this kid. I'm like, I can't believe I'm reading this, and I continued reading it. So I was drawn in more on the absurdity of this where I wasn't with Bob Honey. Okay, let me phrase this 
I'm going to ask the question in a different way. Of those two books... <laughs> if which you were, one did I like more? <laughs> no, if you were forced, which one would you rather read again? If you had to read mm. one of them again, which one would you rather revisit? Probably this one. Really? Only because it's absurd. It would just make me angry and absurd and just annoyed and the complete transparency of the motivation of why he wrote this just to make money that he doesn't believe in the philosophy he's espousing. Yeah. Uh, that I think I would have some level of enjoyment more than Bob Honey, which is just like watching uh, an art art student's installation piece. (laughs) We're just like, that's a pretentious pile of shit right there. And you just don't, you can't find anything in it to take interest in. I got to disagree with you. I'd rather read Bob Honey again than this. Really? I am. This book, I was annoyed reading Bob Honey just because of how frustrating it was and like how just annoying and pretentious it was. Mm Mm-hmm. I hate Steve Harvey now. I just, <laughs> I am so angry mm-hmm. at this book and the message and the, the way it's delivered. I, I see him. No, I get what you're I'm saying. I'm seething after reading this book. I, I hate before everything. this book. I always just saw him as kind of like a Bob Saget. He's just a clean, watered down, not entertaining person. Yeah. It's just he's he's safe enough to put on every venue that no one's really yeah, watching. Yeah, just likable. Like enough. Family Feud yeah. and the, the pageants and stuff. It's like stuff that not he's, really everyone's He's likable and he doesn't get in the yeah, way. Yeah, personable and he's not controversial. Yeah, and, and then he tries to be like down homey and talking straight, but it's just like, it's like uh, Tyler Perry or whatever, just like, yeah, it's a cute little message. It's a very easy cliche message you're delivering, but I, you know, fine, I, you're not offensive. Um, but this book the blatant uh, motivation behind it, his message, the laziness of it, the sloppiness of it, his ego constantly injected in it. It's I just see him as a horrible person. It's completely yeah. dangerous, and he's a horrible person yeah. delivering a dangerous message, and he's just happy that this is another book that brings in X amount of income for him. Yeah. He will produce oh, so another book that's almost identical to this in about two more years I'm sure, I'm to curious, get X amount of dollars. I'm curious what his past books are like. Uh, they're, they've got to be just like this, right? Oh, I'm sure. I mean, not that I want to do this, but theoretically, it would be worth reading one of his early yeah. books to see how similar it is like, in message to this. Well, Act Like a Success, Think Like, think like a Success. It's just this book. Which the, again, the subtitle is Discovering Your Gift and the Way to Life's Riches. Well, Ben, do you want to tell people to listen again next time and and subscribe and tell your friends and go leave a comment on iTunes you want me to say all the things that you just said (laughs) yep (laughs) in a better voice okay book boys oh god that doesn't count you didn't do it in the last well we watched a movie last time alright fine